There are millions and millions of managers out there, but very few leaders who can cast vision and can be of servitude and put their people's best interests before their own. Cutco Vector taught me how to lead teams, not manage. One of the most important things that I learned from Vector was just how to lead, how to put my people's needs first. And as long as I always put their best interests first, their personal development, their career path, their financial fitness, if as long as I put those things prior to my own gains, my gains are a byproduct. Tina Feldstein learned the basics of sales and leadership through her Cutco Vector experience. She has successfully carried those lessons over to multiple roles in different industries. Now she consults with organizations and CEOs to help increase their revenue by implementing a holistic approach to leadership, creating synergy between the operations and sales sides of their company. Many of the strategies Kina shares were learned and perfected during her time as a vector manager. She tells us that every job is sales and the foundational principles of selling and leading with vector are directly applicable to building any business. If you're ready to learn how to build a team with an amazing culture of success, growth, and fun, you'll love hearing the stories and lessons of Kina Feldstein. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. My guest today is Kina Feldstein. I'm really excited about this conversation. Kina's time with Cutco goes back to 2006, where she started as a sales rep in Southern California. She graduated from Cal State Fullerton and became a district manager in 2011, due in large part to the developmental efforts of Ryan Casey. Kina worked with us as a district manager for about six years, very successful during that time, starting in California and ending in Colorado. Eventually, she moved on from Vector and has had several different roles after that, which we'll talk about today. And currently, she is the VP of Revenue for a consulting firm called House of Revenue. She has wide-ranging responsibilities that she'll tell you about as we progress in this conversation. Kina, you've been an amazing part of the Vector team. You are still well-respected and well-liked throughout the company to this day. I'm excited to be able to have you here for the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Super honored. I was looking through uh, 
all your past shows and just unbelievable with the roster that you have. So thank you. All right. Excellent. Well, take us back to 2006 and tell us a little bit about how you got started with Cutco. Yeah. So I have a bit of an unusual start to my career. I will never forget. I was in my senior year of high school and I walked into my parents' house and there sitting at my dining room table was this blonde kid sharpening my mom's Cutco knives that she bought years prior. Uh, this kid ended up being Han Pilton, as some listeners may know, is a really $3 million uh, career sales rep and now now district manager. So he was doing a service call, which you, means he's sharpening my mom's Cutco knives. And my mom ushered me to the table and sold me on selling knives for the summer. She said that this young man was able to earn an All-American scholarship and pay his way through school. And she told me to go interview the next day. So Hans Hilton got me an interview with uh, Jerry Liu, Liu's office. I showed up in my mom's like 1982 suit that I had to borrow. It was over, it was too big. Her heels were too big. I walked in there and thought it was a little weird. I'm not going to lie. It felt a little like a cult when I walked in. I saw people like high-fiving each other and saying fired up. And immediately though, I sensed just this, this community and just a really tight-knit team. So I really wanted this job. And looking back, I can't, I mean, I couldn't be more grateful. I've traveled the world through Cutco. I've been to Paris and Italy and Budapest and Mexico and Panama. And I mean, all over the world, I made friends for life. The, my four best friends in the world today, I met through selling knives. So I'm beyond grateful for Vector being the start of my career. That's so cool. I, I really appreciate hearing that. We're still fired up, Kina, but there have been no high fives. <laughs> In about the last uh, 10 months, sadly, as we haven't been seeing each other for live events. But uh, tell us about some of the first lessons that you learned from selling Cutco. These lessons, I mean, I had 10 years with this company and the lessons have been so ingrained into my soul that sometimes it's hard for me to peel apart which ones came from what year and, and which manager who said what. But you know, one of the first things I think back on that Vector taught me was just how to grind and how to work super hard. Success has come to me in every role since I left Vector, not because I was the smartest person in the room and not because I had the best grades in school, but because I just knew how to hustle and I know how to work harder than, than everyone else. And that was a skill set that I 100% developed in my Cutco and Vector years. Vector taught me the power of belief. I remember being 18 years old watching The Secret on some VCR, I'm sure. And it was uh, just understanding how to believe and how to set goals and be relentless till you meet your goals. That is still, that is so ingrained into my soul today that I really had to think back on where it all began. And, you know, a really, a really big paradigm shift in my life was that first summer as a new sales rep. And back then it it was like a big deal to sell 10 grand in two weeks for a push period. And jokingly, I remember telling Hero Rodriguez, I was three weeks into the job and I said, I'm going to sell 21. No, I said, I'm going to sell 20 grand for a push period. Screw 10. I'm going to do 20. And then he laughed at me, not meaning to be at all like insulting, but he chuckled because I was a three-week-old rep. And I'm like, you know what? 
I'm not going to sell 20 grand. I'm going to sell $21,000. Just watch. And that was the coolest experience ever. Just going for something unbelievably unattainable from my perspective as an 18-year-old. And I remember the morning of the conference where we were going to be called up on stage and we were going to get a trophy. And I remember thinking, I have to sell nine grand more today in order to meet it $21,000. So I had this appointment that I was just, I remember calling this lady, I don't know, a hundred times during that push period. She finally answered. She let me go over to her work that morning and I sold $9,000 to one customer. And what that taught me was it's not over until it's over and the power of manifestation and anything is possible. I remember as a part of that two-week push period, mind you, I was doing eight demos a day back when MapQuest was my only guide through these demos. Uh, and I was making at least 500 calls a week or more. Those sort of experiences is what laid the foundation for having just that relentless, resilient work ethic. And, and uh, another big lesson learned you know, in that two-week time frame was and this is still how I think and believe today is that money is a byproduct of just doing exceptional work. And I learned that because during that push period, when I sold $21,000 in those two weeks, Jerry Liu, my manager at the time, called me up in front of the team and he showed my paycheck to all the other reps on the team. He's like, she just made five grand in one week. And I was 18 years old. It's a lot of money to make as, as an 18-year-old. But I looked at him and I said, I did? I didn't even think to calculate the commission. It didn't even register. I had no idea how much I was earning that summer, nor did I care. And, and I remember my dad did my taxes for me. He's like, do you even realize how much money you just earned this summer? And I said, no. He's like, well, you're on your own now. You're paying for school. You don't need us anymore. And that was when my parents <laughs> cut the umbilical cord and I was financially independent ever since. And I paid my way through college with Cutco and selling knives and managing sales teams and doing that weird knife job. It, it allowed me to graduate college debt-free and paying out of pocket. I didn't have scholarships. I didn't have financial aid. But money is a byproduct of doing exceptional work and being passionate about what you do. Wow. So cool to hear all those stories. And I'll tell you, when, when you get into a challenging spot in your career or a challenging spot in your personal life, I know that as vector reps, we literally look back and remember those 10K push periods or those other achievements we had. And we say, well, that was hard and I did it. So I guess I can do this too. It really does build confidence that we can overcome any challenge or adversity that comes our way, right? Absolutely. Yeah. What do you feel like were some of the most transformational moments in your vector career, Kina? <laughs> there are countless. One of the ones that stands out most was when I started my first Cutco office. I was 22 years old. I was starting my office simultaneously graduating college with a degree in psychology. So I remember driving, taking my finals, then driving two hours the opposite direction, negotiating an office lease. I had 20 grand saved of my own money as a college student, and I was buying furniture off Craigslist and buying highlighters and pens. And that was significant in itself. But I'll never forget one of my very first team meetings. 
I had four reps that I had recruited, probably from just begging them to work for me that I met at movie theaters and malls and uh, drive-throughs at Del Taco. And I had four sales reps sitting in front of me. And I remember I took every single chair I could find and I surrounded them with a bunch of empty chairs. And I stood on top of my desk and I'm just five foot nothing. And I stood there and I was casting this vision on how, you know, in three weeks, every single chair is going to be filled and we're going to have a huge sales team, and we're going to break all these records. And I just remember getting people super bought in towards something greater and having just an authentic passion that just moved people. And we recruited over 200 reps that summer, which wasn't the biggest team, actually probably one of the smallest teams in the country. And most of those reps were friends of friends, but we sold $440,000 that summer, which was the number one new district office that summer. It was epic. And it was all because we had this vision and we had this story that we were the underdogs. We're the smallest team in the company. We're one of the youngest teams. I'm one of the younger district managers. I mean, we had that underdog story that everyone bought into. And it was incredible to see the growth of the people on that team that year. So cool. That was awesome. That was awesome to hear. What else do you feel like was truly transformational along the way in your career, Kina? So after that summer, when we did the 440000 I was like, let's go for a million next year, which at the time, I believe the average first year district office does about two fifty to 300000 something like that. And I remember thinking, why the heck not? The power of manifestation has worked for me this far in my Cutco career. And when I set goals, it seems we seem to hit them. So let's just go for it. So that was a huge, a huge time, a huge year in my career because we were going to be the the first office in Mission Viejo to ever break, you know, seven hundred thousand. We were going to hit a million dollars, and we were going to do it with one of the smallest teams in the company again. We didn't end up hitting it. We did nine hundred seventy-two thousand. Oh. We did break the all-time record. Yes, but that was the that was the lesson. It, it wasn't missing a goal that you set. It was actually that the goal did not matter. Hitting a goal of a million dollars didn't matter. Million dollar people, that's what a compelling vision creates. The people that came out of the office the year we hit 972,000 are the million dollar people that we all aim to develop. And it's all because of that vision and that, that goal that we all work towards. I remember the very last day of the year, I had about 20 reps in the office. I think it was, you know, the last day before Christmas or something like that. And we had reps selling second and third homemaker sets to their parents because they just wanted to hit a million dollars. I have, you know, Brie Galarza, who is now a district manager. She did half a million in sales last year, her district office. She was the number three branch office, I believe in 2016. She came out of that year. Blake Fox was a rep that I recruited when he was 18 years old and he had a 10K fast start that year, was my number one rep uh, out of my office the year we hit 972,000. And now he's a $1.7 million CSP, top rep in the country. And those are the people that come out of something big. And that's what was so valuable was understanding that it has nothing to do with the actual goals or the numbers or the revenue. It's the people that 
step up and become the best versions of themselves because of a vision that's casted passionately. Yeah. You know, when when a team has this uh, goal or vision and everybody comes together and puts their best effort in and you run across the finish line as hard as you can, ultimately, it doesn't really matter whether you sold 1 million and 10,000 or 972,000 or anything in between. The development of the individuals is truly the same. And it, it really is about that vision and the effort that's put in and, and, and sprinting as hard as you can across that finish line. So it's cool that uh, you're able to do that and that some amazing people came out of that. I didn't know that Brie Galarza came from that, that office. That's pretty cool. She was my sales manager at the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. What do you feel like were the most important skills that you gained during your days as a district manager that you've carried over to the rest of your career since then? One of the things that I still continue to teach and coach to this day is the difference between leadership and management. Cutco Vector taught me how to lead teams, not manage. And that was what was interesting about my career is most people start their career in an entry-level position as a W-2 employee working for someone. And then they continue to, to climb the corporate ladder to one day become an entrepreneur. Most of the people uh, that are listening to this podcast who have been a part of the Vector experience in some way, we did it the reverse. We started as a 1099 employee, commission only. We started uh, as an entrepreneur at the age of 18. And then some of us move into more traditional roles like a W-2 role or some continue on that entrepreneur path. And looking back, if I hadn't started my career learning how to manage 1099 reps, which means essentially they they own their own business as well, it, I wouldn't have learned those skills, those soft skills that it takes, like understanding someone's why, understanding who they are and what makes them tick and how to inspire versus fear-based management. There are millions and millions of managers out there, but very few leaders who can cast vision and can be of servitude and put their people's best interests before their own. Leaders create and multiply other leaders while managers create followers. And that's what one of the most important things that I learned from uh, from Vector was just how to lead how to put my people's needs first. And as long as I always put their best interests first, their personal development, their career path, their financial fitness, if as long as I put those things prior to my own gain, my gains are a byproduct. I will, I will advance the money with the byproducts, right? All that stuff will come to me in time. But what's most important is that I'm developing people become the best versions of them. And that's what leadership's all about, in my opinion. That's Leaders brilliant... serve while managers want to be served, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's really just a brilliant insight, the difference there between leadership and management and how you know you had that chance to learn how to inspire people as a leader in Vector. Tell me a little bit more about this because I, I, I feel like people could really stand to to gain a lot by hearing your perspective on what a great leader does and just, you know, how do you become great at inspiring other people? Yeah. When it comes to inspiring other people, it starts with your own 
center and strength and your own resilience. I'm sure many have heard the duck on water metaphor. I still teach that to this day. And that is on the outside, you are cool, calm, and collected. And, but when no one's looking, you're furiously pedaling, right? Or, or, or running through the finish line. So that resilience and strength and being emotionally intelligent is so important to inspire those around you. You know, I had, as a sales rep, I had more no sales and no shows and angry people hang up on me and people doubting me and friends and family laughing at my weird knife job than probably most because I was making a lot of calls. But because I was able to experience that at a young age, normal life things don't fluster me anymore. Vector taught me how to be a resilient leader and how to hold space for my team. I'm able to rebound a little quicker than maybe maybe some other people that didn't get that vector training or vector experience. So emotional intelligence would would be a huge a huge cornerstone to to leadership and you know I will be first to admit I don't think I'm the smartest person. I was not the perfect student and I never was the 4.0 GPA uh you know student in college but I'm now managing and working with people who have higher IQs than me. And I believe I am able to lead smart people, not because I'm smarter, but because they know that their growth and development is my priority. And I have the emotional intelligence to uh, to support them endlessly, despite what they're going through. Yeah. I, I love the insight about other people's growth being a priority for you. The The whole concept of servant leadership, that that's why you know, great leaders are able to excel. And then the emotional intelligence piece of having dealt with a tremendous amount of adversity and understanding how to work through that. That's a lot like a muscle that gets built over time. It's not something you just necessarily can decide to have. And in Vector, people do get a chance to experience all sorts of what I would call small failures, from the phone call that doesn't work out to the no sale that happens or you know all the experiences we have in the management side of the business as well there's a lot of small failures that happen and all of those things build up this great muscle of resilience that helps make people better as leaders down the road and gives people a lot more stories to tell as well mm-hmm. yeah totally yeah microcosm yeah there's a microcosm <laughs> it is it's a microcosm of life for sure yeah yeah Tell us about your path after Cutco. Yeah. So it's funny when you summarize my career, I went from knives to men's fashion, to branding and websites, to janitorial services. So the industries have changed, but the role has never really changed for me. It's always been developing people, building teams, creating infrastructure, processes, writing training manuals. I mean, that has stayed pretty consistent. Uh, From Vector, I went on to become the director of sales for a company called Truemaker, and they uh, do bespoke men's fashion. It's another 1099 type of business model, at least at the time. And I learned all about startups and how to be nimble and wear multiple hats and roll with the punches. But I think the most important thing that I learned with that role that I was able to take much of the the skills that Vector taught me was how to inherit an entire sales team who were most of them older than me 
well more seasoned as in they were are established and they know fashion and I barely knew how to match my colors. So that was a unique challenge that I had to come in as younger and less experienced from their perspective in the fashion industry and gain trust and build rapport and create buy-in and redesign their entire infrastructure and processes. And we were one of the top teams in the company. Uh, And that stemmed from the skills that Vector taught me, which was to show up for your people and not for you and show them that you care authentically and be authentically curious, ask questions, build connections. And there's this old adage that I learned at Vector, which I don't think developed from Vector, but it's no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And that that is my mantra when it comes to inheriting teams. And it's actually something I just coached a manager that I've, I've hired and I was training and I'm, I'm onboarding at the moment. And I, that is something I just taught him yesterday. I said, nobody cares. You know how to sell. Nobody cares that you have made a lot of calls. You've seen a lot of success and that you know how to manage teams. That your career is X, Y, and Z. No one cares about that. They just want to know that you care about them and you're going to put their needs before yours. That's how you create buy-in and that's how you build trust. And that gives you the strength and the security and flexibility to create the infrastructure you need so that way the team is successful. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I like that you had this experience in what was really a startup there at TrueMaker. We've had Mark Lovis on the podcast, as uh, you probably are aware. Um, And in a startup, one of the first things that has to happen is you have to recruit a lot of talented people. And, you know, coming from the vector background, we understand how to paint a vision that people want to be a part of. And so recruiting mm-hmm. is easier in a startup setting for somebody that's, that, uh, you know, has been in vector management. And then after recruiting people, we have to inspire them, right. To be able to do yeah. their role at, to the best of their capability. And we have to provide development tools to help them continue to get better at their job, but also to get better as individuals so that they stick around and they continue to be part of the team. There's a lot more to it than that. But those are some of the elements of a startup that I feel like someone like you probably excelled at with TrueMaker because you had your vector experience. What yeah, came after sure. TrueMaker? So then I worked as the um, director of sales for a company called Brandco, which is a smaller uh, website development, website design, and branding company. And I took over an existing team again. The challenge that I had was there was zero collateral, no infrastructure, no processes no sales training in place, no scripting, no manual, no nothing. Uh, so I had to build from the ground up and put branding packages together and phone scripts and email cadences. And I learned how to manage an inside sales team. This was the first time that I've managed W2 employees, which was a little bit of a different shift for me. But what I found fascinating was if I were to take the skills that I gained on how to manage an outside sales 1099 Salesforce, like like Vector and Cutco, that makes an inside sales W-2 type role absolutely excel because they aren't used to hitting a gong every time they book an appointment. They're not getting <laughs> high fives. These guys were older than me and they are, you know, they were in their 40s and I'm high-fiving these guys every time they book an appointment. And I was running team meetings where I was showing the rankings and the standings and we were doing positive reinforcement and all the things that I learned at Cutco that made 
made life fun and work fun and made people feel appreciated as silly and dorky as some of the things. I remember taking the the what five foot standard of excellence sword. And when I would knight a key staff member, they would stand in front of the entire team and get down on one knee as I knighted them. I mean, silly, goofy, playful stuff that I would do that was symbolic of, you know, promotion or achievement. I brought into a W2 world and it was different and strange. And, uh, and people looked at me a little weird. And, but it was so cool because that sort of, novelty and then also the reinforcement and the and the recognition and I truly loved and love every team I've ever worked with and uh, I think people sense that and it was unreal to watch watch some of the the growth and development of that of that organization and and the team that we worked with it was awesome yeah it's so cool how you it's so cool how you vectorized uh uh, you know non non uh, 1099 type of place. And yeah, a lot of people have grown up in a employee environment. They are not used to being inspired and being excited. They look at the clock every day, right? They dread going to work every day. And a leader like you is able to create an environment where people are excited to come to work and excited to perform. And they're not looking at the clock. They're just doing their job to the best of their ability because they're motivated and inspired to become great. So it's cool that, oh, you yeah. that you brought that environment there to Branco. So then it was janitorial services after that, right? <laughs> yes. I'm telling you, industry doesn't matter. It's skills for life with Vector. It's applicable in any vertical, any industry. It's amazing. So yes, I worked for OpenWorks, which is a national commercial cleaning and facilities management company. I was hired as Denver's regional director. And as regional director, I was responsible for managing a P&L for the entire Colorado region. So I was managing the sales and the operations teams. I also took over an existing team and we were doing great. The challenge of that job was sales and operations. I've never actually managed an operations team before. It was always sales. And I soon learned it's a different breed than sales. Operations and sales are almost like oil and water sometimes. Uh, they are they have different motives, different personality traits, and different objectives. So my job was to unite the teams, create synergy, and uh, and create culture. And that's always been my number one initiative. And that is what Cutco has taught me was how to create a successful, productive, collaborative, competitive culture. Um, and that is what I made sure to do. So one of the first things I did is I redesigned the office, physical office space as a Cutco office. So I think I have, there's YouTube floating around somewhere that shows my office, how I set it up in in Denver. I replicated that in this janitorial company. So I got everyone's pictures taken. I put their bio, all their achievements. I framed them on the walls. I got whiteboards out and I put everyone's top five sales, top five this. I found diff- I have found KPIs that didn't even exist because I wanted a way to recognize and make people feel special and stand out. I bought a gong for the janitorial office. <laughs> and I do want to shout out John Ross. John Ross is the one who bought my bought the gong for my office. I think it was SC2 or something. He shipped it to my office in Mission Viejo. And I have brought that same gong from every job from Mission Viejo in my Cutco days to OpenWorks. It's still at OpenWorks to this day. 
But every appointment that got booked, we hit the gong and I did field trainings. And it was just, I vectorized that whole office and it, it, it changed the culture pretty dramatically. And out of that office, we had Mitch Clark, who was the number two rep of all time out of the Denver office. And we had, you know, rookie of the year coming out of that Denver office of a janitorial company. So we, my focus was to take, not the most fun industry in the world, but gamify it, make it fun, cast vision, reinforce uh, the behavior we want, recognize. And these team meetings, of course, I had music going. I would have cool slides and I would show all the achievements that everyone's, you know, I had a, one of the things that I still do to this day is what was it called? The scroll of recognition. And one of my favorite things at team meetings is I would get on top of my desk because I'm short. So I often did that. And I'd grab a scroll and the scroll would just slide all the way across the floor. And I would read off this scroll of all the positive things that happened that week. And I'd recognize everybody for everything. And it was uh, Ryan Casey always taught me, catch someone doing something good. And that's something I still hold true to my heart in relationships and friendships and and everything. I just find something so small that someone did well and someone did good. And if it's and it doesn't even have to be a KPI or a measurable revenue number. It's just an attitude or behavior and we recognize it. I I did that at this janitorial company and the team came together like I've never been able I didn't envision. It was really neat. And I loved that experience. So I went from regional director, which managed just Colorado a year later, I was promoted to senior regional director, which meant I was more of a mentorship type role where I would help coach and train and run meetings for all the other regional directors. And then I also oversaw and ran the San Antonio market. So every other week I was flying back and forth. Uh, a year later, I was promoted to divisional area director at OpenWorks, which is where I managed all the regional directors for six to eight, depending on the time period, but six to eight different regions. So I had all of Texas, Colorado and a couple other cities. But I was traveling a lot and I was really excelling in that role because I could help leaders manage their sales and operations teams. And I was able to teach some of the things that Vector taught me on leadership and give back and was able to coach other leaders to the small things like recognize your people and uh, and put their needs first. And no one cares how much you know till they know how much you care. Those types of things were being taught at a janitorial company. So awesome. I love how you could take the principles of success in Vector and Cutco and you could bring them to any industry. As you said, it doesn't have to be a sexy or exciting, you know, necessarily a type of industry, but that there's people there that want to work and they're working to be able to have a nice lifestyle and they're, you know, you're, you're helping them to bring the best out of them and to do well and yeah. succeed. And that, that that works in any place in any industry mm -hmm. if the leader makes it happen. So you brought some stuff to those people that they probably had never seen. And yeah. I'm sure that was really, really awesome. It's cool. How'd this all lead to the role you have now? So my former boss at OpenWorks interviewed at House of Revenue, which is a Denver-based consulting firm. And she declined the position at the time. She then referred me and described it as the perfect fit, which it ended up being. And I am loving this role. It is so perfect for me and it highlights those skills that I was able to develop through my through my vector years. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing there. Yeah, so my role is a fractional VP of revenue. I help second stage growth companies in the 2 to 20 million uh, in annual revenue per year range uh, build 
revenue foundations that are set for scale. So we focus on all aspects of the revenue engine. So we focus on marketing, sales, customer success in a holistic way. So as a consultant, you know, I'm able to work with multiple companies in in various industries and verticals simultaneously for about 12 to 18 months. That's how long most of our engagements last. And I oversee the entire sales function and I do it in tandem with one of our VPs of marketing. And I often will rebuild uh, a company's processes, infrastructure, and sometimes their teams from the ground up with a, like I mentioned, holistic focus versus like a siloed approach, right? So in the past year, I've been with House Revenue, we've helped multiple companies on average double their monthly recurring revenue within 10 months. And this has resulted in an average ROI of 1,454% or something like that uh, with their average annual revenue growth eclipsing 3.2 million. It's been a phenomenal ride and it's super dynamic. I, I get to learn about a new industry in a new space and I have to quickly adapt and integrate into their team and uh, and fill whatever gaps that I may see and you know work in tandem with the CEO or the owner to help bring in more revenue. Tell us about how you integrate into the client's organizations because I'm really interested in hearing just what that's like for you. Yeah, so I often approach integration in the same way I've always approached it. And this came from my skills that Vector has taught me, which was to you know, observe and shadow, be authentically curious, learn who these people are, find out what motivates them, inspires them. One of my favorite questions that I ask when I run candidate interviews is, what keeps you up at night and what wakes you in the morning? What drives you? And it's interesting to hear what people say. So finding out the things that really drive someone that really inspires them to become the best version of them helps create buy-in and shows that I'm here as I work for you. You don't work for me. That's that's definitely the attitude I've had my whole career. Even, at, even with the team of direct reports, I work for them. Their goals are my goals. I want them to be successful. And as a byproduct, I will succeed too. And our team will succeed as well. So, you know, some of the things that that I do to integrate is I'll observe and shadow a team for about a week. And then I will create, you know, I'll do a, a gap analysis and audits and such like that. And then I will present these gaps to the CEO. And I will also present solutions or uh, potential changes and shifts to fill these gaps. And, uh, and then I'll get the green light. And from there, I spend the next 10 months creating a revenue playbook. It's a 100-page, it becomes my baby, it's a 100-page playbook that includes all the infrastructure and all the you know marketing prospecting strategies that we put together, the, the new org chart. We will create comp plans in the playbook, but you know, we'll we'll do competitive analysis, buyer personas, target market analysis, value propositions, inbound, outbound cadences, email templates, phone scripts, voicemail scripts. By the way, my skills like to be able to do that came from writing training manuals at Cutco. I know the Cut the Cutco training manual is amazing, but I would oftentimes help write phone scripts for my teams when it came to like the 4th of July or uh, Black Friday sales and being able to craft outbound emails to prospective customers in my Cutco years has really set stage to be able to do what I do today. And after I create that playbook, we then implement everything. So I spend the rest of the uh, length of the contract 
teaching, coaching, running sales meetings, running sales trainings, um, one-on-one coaching sessions. I'll run executive leadership meetings and set strategies with the, the leadership team and hire, onboard, train new team members. I listen to sales calls. I quarterback the marketing initiatives and any technology automations or integrations and really holistically treat the revenue engine so that way they're able to three times, 3x their revenue within those 10 months. Wow. So you're getting into a multitude of different types of businesses. You're shadowing people. You're getting to know the people there. You're studying to look for opportunities. You're finding those opportunities, presenting them to the leadership team of the company, getting a green light on what a plan will be, and then helping implement that plan over many, many months within the company. I assume here that there are elements of the Cutco culture that you're bringing into these places. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, like I said, Cutco is, is a part of my heart and soul. I spent 10 years of my career there, and it's one of my earliest monumental experiences, right? So it's just a big part of who I am and how I lead. So some of the most important lessons that I still reteach that I taught today to two CEOs, one of my clients, and I, I don't know if this comes from Vector, or if someone taught it to me through, I heard it in Vector, but it's the off self on purpose adage, right? And I was teaching CEOs today who still do sales meetings and they do discovery calls and intro calls, and they're still closing business as C suites. And I was teaching them to get off self, stop thinking about if you're saying it right, what you're supposed to say, how you sound. And I was discussing Ego is the Enemy, which is a great book by Ryan Holiday, and how removing ego from the sales presentation will allow you to truly understand empathy and compassion, and you'll be able to handle objections before they come up, which will make you the mastermind of any sales initiative. So we talked about that fundamental, I guess, shift right? And mindset and goal setting exercises. It's fun that I'm able to pull the stuff that I used to do in my PCs, my one-on-ones with my reps back in 2010, uh, when I was an assistant manager or 2009. And I am doing it with sometimes people that are double my age and I'm doing goal setting exercises with these guys. And it's significantly impactful for them, for me to sit down and say, all right, Let's set goals. And I believe in work-life integration. Work-life balance doesn't exist anymore. So let's integrate. I want you to write down these eight categories. And then you're going to fill in three goals for, for Q1 within these categories. And I go, I list off financial. Then we go into professional. Then we talk about personal development, intellectual uh, development. We talk about spiritual. What's your one habit-breaking goal, what's your out-of-comfort zone goal, and then we hone it down to your top three. So those sort of goal-setting exercises I do with every team at the beginning of every quarter with every client, and it's impactful for each of them. You know, teaching and coaching managers, VPs, CEOs, how to empower versus manage teams and what those behaviors look like when you're managing versus behaviors look like when you're empowering and inspiring. That is something I learned through my vector years that I'm bringing into the coaching with my clients. I still do phone jams. I call them call blitzes. Doesn't matter what I call them. I've done a phone jam with every sales team and organization I've worked with since my vector years. And they (laughs) still work and they're still successful and they're still so much fun. (laughs) I used to do dialing for dollars and I did all the fun stuff that 
you know, Jersey jams. I bring those to people who are in their forties and fifties and they, and, or in the thirties and they love it. It brings out the inner child in us, which is when we're at our most creative, right? It's our highest creative sense of self and we're able to achieve more, especially when we gamify things. It doesn't matter your age or how, I don't know, bitter you are from years and years of core employers. They will come around and people will love that stuff. And another one that I still bring in is the circle of love. I, I don't know if this was taught to me, but I did it while I had my vector office. Every end of year, it was tradition that we'd sit in a big circle. It was like a three-hour team meeting, and we'd have like the garlic press or something in one person's hand, and that was the hot seat. And each of us took turns around the circle talking about one thing we appreciated about the person holding the garlic press. And every year that I did it, 100% guaranteed we'd have tears. There'd at least be one person crying. And sometimes that's me, and that's okay. Um, But I have implemented that with every team I've worked with ever since. And it doesn't matter the age, it doesn't matter the industry, it doesn't matter the job. People love to be recognized and they love to be acknowledged and they love to feel special. And when we take the time and we are intentional about strengthening the relationships with our coworkers and our peers, and we're intentional about recognizing someone who helped us in our career or previously, or even just with a random thing on a Wednesday afternoon, that really creates a positive culture and it creates retention and in turn creates productivity. Amen. So yeah, a lot of things. <laughs> you, you, you have just shared a playbook for building a great business in any industry, anywhere, anytime. All of this stuff that you get to do now you know, in your role is directly applicable to building any business. And it's so great to hear the testament that you provide to what you learned at Cutco Vector during those years that you were, you know, with the company, because anybody who's here is getting exposed to those same ideas and they're going to be rock stars and they're going to be unique leaders in their future. And they're going to be able to create this culture of empowerment that you talked about because of the exposure they have to how we operate here at uh, Cutco and Vector. And it's just so cool to hear you share those things, Kina. That was awesome. Tina, what else would you want to say to anyone that's sort of making their way through their Vector experience? What words of encouragement would you want to leave them with? Well, I want to be mindful of time because I've got endless amounts of of words of encouragement. But I, I do want to share, you know, once I got out of school and started telling future employers in, in interviews about my, and I quote, silly knife job, their jaws dropped. And not in the way like your pizza delivery friends jaws drop when you tell them you're selling knives. It impresses the heck out of people when you can say, you sold knives, but successfully, many people will tell you that they knew someone who worked for Vector and sold knives, but they didn't do it for very long, right? But when you can say you flourished in a direct sales or a commission-only job, you are doing something most of your future bosses weren't even able to do. My experience at Vector gave me the confidence the credibility that I could succeed in any sales job. Your knife selling job that you're going through right now will be the hardest job pretty much ever, uh, at least if you actually give it your all. But if you can succeed in a direct sales peer commission role, you are going to develop skills for life. And, and I know that's a cliche at this point, but I'm telling you wholeheartedly, the rest of your career will come to you if you truly give it your all and you commit to this process. And one of my favorite vector adages, I think I heard it at 
uh, J, I think JP Arley said this at when I was 18 years old at one of his, one of my first conferences. And he said, give up who you are for who you want to become. So metaphorically kill the old you who has limited beliefs, who doubts yourself, who thinks this job is silly, who doesn't think you're a salesperson, metaphorically kill that person so the new version of you can thrive. You know, Ryan Casey, I remember him teaching me when I was an assistant manager for him, he said, the corners you cut now are the corners you'll always cut. And that was like the, 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 you know, it was back in my head for the rest of my career. And I still hear it to this day when I'm tempted to mail it in or to cut my day short or to not give my all. I, I remember that and that, that has stuck with me. So if I can impart some wisdom to you is the corners you cut in that phone jam, the corner you cut on that demo or the, the pennies you're not cutting, it's going to haunt you because this is, de- this is developmental years and it's laying a foundation for you for the rest of your career, no matter what direction you go in. If you're justifying it by saying, well, I'm not even going to be in sales forever. I'm going to be an engineer. I'm going to be an attorney or I'm going to be a chef. Well, newsflash, every job, especially in this day and age, is sales. It doesn't matter what position or what industry, you need to know the basics of sales. You need to know the basics of of people and how to work with them and how to communicate and how to uh, have emotional intelligence. All the things that we've talked about today, those are the things that you will need to be successful no matter what industry, no matter what job or what career path you take. I mean, take this experience seriously. I did. It changed my life. It's going to be tough. There's going to be ups and downs. I wanted to quit a hundred times. I'm so glad I stuck with it because nothing easy is ever worth anything. So you've got to push through and you'll see it's going to lay that foundation for the rest of your life. Yeah, that definitely is true. So, so good right there. What you're sharing about uh, the corners that you cut. What I love most that I see young people getting to learn at Vector is that when they cut a corner at Vector, it comes out. You get Mm -hmm. exposed when you cut corners. It's impossible to cut corners and to really thrive at the highest level in Vector. And because our pay is based directly on the results and the value we bring, Mm -hmm. cutting corners has a direct effect on your paycheck. And when you learn that and you realize that, It teaches you to bring your A game to everything that you do. Greatness in the moment is this principle or phrase that I learned in a book that I thought was so valuable that Mm -hmm. that is what people learn to bring when they're in this role. And if you bring that to all the other jobs where almost everybody is not bringing that, you you totally stand out and it makes you a top achiever as you've been, Kina. And it's just uh, so cool to see. Thanks. Yeah. Hey, so, you know, as you look into the future, what's most exciting to you? Uh, You know, I have a role right now that inspires me and challenges me in every way. I'm fully remote. So the world is my oyster. Maybe I'll work remote from France or Italy. And, you know, I'm at a point in my career, though, this is what's special. I'm at a point in my career where I don't feel this need to continue climbing up a metaphorical ladder. I'm extremely happy where I'm at. So my focus right now is to continue to grow personally and spiritually, so I can provide the best service to my clients and continue to bring value not only to their professional lives, but also their personal lives. And that inspires me every day. So I couldn't be happier. Yeah. Well, it's great to see that you're in a a role that you can thrive in for the long term. It's uh, amazing to see all of your great success, Kina. We're very proud of you as an uh, alumna of uh, 
Cutco Vector. And I appreciate you making time for the podcast. Thanks. Thank you. It's been awesome. All right. That was Kina Feldstein. I hope you enjoyed getting to know her. I just think it's so cool that Kina has a role now where she has an opportunity to get her hands into companies and find out what they're doing and prescribe some opportunities to them and then help them implement the solutions that she is creating for them in order to be able to increase their revenue, increase their success and help their people to be doing better. And she is bringing in principles from her Cutco Vector career. Things like the difference between leadership and management, how to inspire people, empowerment behaviors and what those are for leaders, finding out what drives people, finding ways to recognize people and make people feel special and strategies to bring more enthusiasm and energy into the day-to-day work effort. All of these things are things that most people just don't get. They don't get it if they've grown up in the typical environment as an employee where they dread going to work and they're, you know, cutting corners all over the place, just trying to get by because that's what people do at most jobs. These sorts of ideas and strategies are completely different. And it's like a breath of fresh air to be part of a team that establishes this sort of culture. I host a group of leaders in the Silicon Valley that contains truly some of the most successful people in my neck of the woods out here in the Bay Area, San Jose, San Francisco area. And I can remember having a discussion with some of these guys at one dinner event we had where we were talking about corporate culture and building culture and building teams and creating this sort of environment. And one of the guys says, I don't care about any of that stuff. I just want to help people make money. That's what people want where I work. They just want to make money. And I'm thinking, oh my God, this guy is uber successful at what he does, but he's succeeding despite that mentality, not because of that mentality. And he's leaving a lot on the table in terms of what could be created in his workplace if these sorts of ideas were implemented along with all of the other strategies that uh, they are already utilizing. If you're working in Vector, you're getting a chance to gain a rare glimpse into a well-rounded, holistic approach to being successful in business that combines all sorts of great elements that when you put it together can help you build any business to become great. Kina said every job is sales. And I would also add on top of that, that in every company, in every place, the sales and leadership elements that Vector and Cutco teach are relevant to help build that. And so each of you is in a great spot if you're part of Cutco Vector. And if you're one of our alumni, you know, the challenge, as I've said before, is to bring that Cutco culture in to what you are doing now. And it's a fun challenge to take on. It's a fun idea to think about. I hope you can all do that and create amazing workplaces that thrive where people are achieving success, but also experiencing fulfillment. If you enjoy this podcast, 
There are three things you can do to help support its ongoing growth. First, share it with others. Follow me, Dan Cassetta, on social media and share the podcast posts with your own comments. And be sure to tell the people on your team about the episodes that you love. Second, take a few seconds to give us a five rating on your podcast player. Do this now. This is the fastest thing you can do that helps increase our visibility. Tap that five, and if you're so inclined, write a short review as well. Last, you can support our podcast sponsors by visiting changinglivespodcast.com slash deals. Connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn to be sure to stay up to date with the new episodes each week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode of Changing Lives, Selling Knives, please consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player and hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives. 